Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome in. It is another edition of Booty and Barbeau on Believe Podcast, the number one podcast destination for professionals. You definitely want to check it out. I'm Rachel Barbeau. He is Josh Booty, and we do this each and every week. Wednesday, baby. Wednesday, Josh. That's the day this pod comes out. We talk about what happened and what's to come. And my, oh, my, what a battle that went down in Texas. Oh, it did. You talk about, you know, you you have your own program, Change the Narrative, with all the programs around the country and all the yep. young kids, but LSU was able to use one of you, one of your phrases change the narrative i mean they really did they were they, they, the game was so significant in so many ways for the lsu tigers of course it was one to remember the weather was hot it was over 100 degrees there in austin but really when you look at it and you break it down there's so many good things and positive things that came out of it for lsu i mean you talk about recruiting grounds you talk about the evolution of the offense which we've been talking about for years and years but defensive uh, defensive experience uh, for those defensive backs who had to handle a lot going to go, go going up against Ellinger and those receivers. I mean, there's just a lot of things going forward that LSU can take from a confidence standpoint and uh, and a bragging rights standpoint and a road win. Josh, uh, you were there. I was there. And uh, we talked about this last week on the podcast. So many things that, uh, that we'll get into today, but, but, it was really a heavyweight battle. Texas would not go away, but it was like if we're doing the Texas two-step, which you live in Texas now, it was like LSU was just one step ahead of Texas the entire game, Uh, but Texas would not go away. And I have to say... I was impressed, beyond impressed, with uh, with Sam Ellinger. Uh, mm-hmm. Very Tebow-esque. I, I didn't really get uh, how talented he, talented he was until I saw him in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hats off to Texas. They absolutely did not give up uh, in that game. But LSU, again, Ensminger and Brady, we, we were laughing last week and, and calling them, you know, Batman and Robin, at least I was. And, and Dave Aranda <laughs> on the other side just stayed one step ahead head of Texas that entire game. They did. You know, when you look at the stats and you look at the way that the game broke down, I mean, Burrow threw for 471, the most ever Ooh. against a, a Texas Longhorn team in that stadium. And that's that's very significant. And then you look on the other side of the ball, and Ellinger threw for 401 yards and ran for 60. Uh, the, the next closest rusher was, I think, Ingram with 29. And it's like, you know, Ellinger just had to carry the mail uh, you know, it had to do everything for Texas, and he did. And there were a few things that they could have done probably different in the first half. Ingram catches the ball in the end zone uh, there after the, the Burrow turnover uh, deep into the red, in his own red zone. I mean, they score there. This is a different ball game, And, and LSU was able to capitalize on some of that stuff. Of course, LSU played great defense in the first half, second half. Uh, was a little porous on defense, but I think at the end of the day, LSU made more plays, and I think we had three receivers catch the ball uh, very, very well. Uh, three guys go over 100 yards in receiving, which has never happened in, in LSU history, and we just got a lot of great players. But, you know, Texas does too. We were just able to to prevail and, uh, you know, make some big plays when it mattered at the end of the game and kind of hold them off. How have you seen Joe Burrow grow 
uh, as a quarterback from from one quarterback to another. I always yeah. love to see. I always love to hear. And it's one of the reasons I've loved working with you over the years, Josh, because it's kind of like once a coach, always a coach. But once a quarterback, always a quarterback. You see that field from a quarterback's perspective. How have you seen him grow? Well, I think this offense is made for him. I think last year he came in two or three weeks before they started camp. And he was, you know, he entered the transfer portal, came from Ohio State. He'd been coached up but never played significant minutes uh, for Urban Meyer uh, at at Ohio State. So he comes to LSU, new team, new offense, you know, a lot of eye backfield stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of old age offensive stuff. And he – fit in with the team. We got great players at LSU. He, we had, he had, of course, great running backs last year at LSU, great receivers, but he wasn't able to maximize the talent around him, right? And he, he was learning everybody on the fly as well. So he got a year of experience in the SEC. They got 10 wins, which is huge, was huge for Orgeron and that, that the entire team and for Burrow. I mean, uh, for him to come in and, and get that starting job, uh, really took it away from Miles Brennan. Everybody thought he was going to be the guy, and Burrow stepped up as a fourth-year uh, guy, uh, fourth-year junior, I guess, and stepped up into that role. But I think it's the offensive evolution with him now in the offense that suits him. The one he was running in high school, the one he ran at Ohio State, even if it was for practice for three or four years there. So I'm saying this guy knows this type of style of offense better than he did the one that he played in last year at LSU. LSU went to the spread this year and it shows it, it's starting to show up, you know, what this guy can do from a, from a passer standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from running a, the spread standpoint. I mean, all the little things that he's grown up doing now he can showcase it. And when you're in an offense that suits you, you can take off. And I think that's what's happening is he's just taking off. He's got great players around him and now he can, you know, the world is his oyster because he knows this offense, you know, this style of offense better than he would have last year's style of offense. Josh, I think we settled who the real DBU is, but I guess if you ask Texas fans that uh, with some of the cramps and injuries that happened and Texas fans saying, oh, they're faking it, they're faking it, uh, they might still claim that DBU status, Josh. Yeah, you know, LSU, well, both teams went up and down the field, especially in the second half against these defensive yep. backfield units. So, you know, it's hard to say, oh, we're DBU, they're not, and they are, we're not. I, I just think – both teams are going to have to go back and watch a lot of film and say, you know, <laughs> we took some bad angles. Both teams have great receivers. Both teams have first-rounders. Both teams have NFL guys uh, left and right that they've cut, got to cover on both sides of the field. It's not like we've got – you know, Texas has one guy that's going to play in the NFL and Colin Johnson. I mean, they, they've got several guys that are going to play in the NFL and, and some guys – Devin uh, Duvernay is an unbelievable player. When, when He torched LSU this weekend and then – you look at the other side of the ball, and Texas has to defend three or four LSU kids that are going to play on Sunday. So you got to cover every blade of grass. You have to be in sync as a defensive unit. It's not one guy. It's not DBU by yourself. It's DBU University. So they've got to play, as a, <laughs> you know, as a as a system and play as a group, as a position group, and be in the right places at the right time, or you're going to get scorched. And both teams took advantage of that on offense, but. Uh, there, there's a lot of players in, on both secondaries that are going to play on Sundays too. They just, I think, need to sure some things up, especially when, when LSU has to go play Alabama and Texas has to go play Oklahoma. You're going to see similar things that you saw in this game, and hopefully we can build on it and Texas will build on it. 
You know, uh, it, it's interesting to me. The I'd never been to a game, first of all, uh, in Austin. Okay, so it was mm-hmm. my first game in Austin. Um, and I have to say, wow, wow, <laughs> wow. What a, a party. I didn't get to partake because I was there in kind of a different role, which was which was very neat for me. Um, you know, I've for many, many years have been a sportscaster. Mm-hmm. And for many, many years, I have gone to these games and I have been in the press box furiously taking notes, running after Ed Ogeron and Joe Burrow and going mm-hmm. to the press conference and, and getting the sound bites. But this time I was in Texas uh, solely on the on the half of uh, on behalf of changing the narrative. So I was in a different role. So instead of analyzing and breaking down, I was encouraging and building up. Got to visit with the players on Saturday morning. Tell them I love them. Tell them I believe mm-hmm. in them. That they're kings. Give them bracelets. So I uh, I ride in with the team, Josh, mm-hmm. and I got to experience what Josh Booty got to experience <laughs> back in the day. I so I ride it. It's crazy. I ride in with the team. And I, you know, I'm on the bus, like, you know, a couple of uh, a couple of buses in front of the team and they pull us right down next to, you know, next near the stadium. And I didn't know, you know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're used to this. Right. But I didn't know what we were about to get into. And and listen, as as uh, you know, it, it can happen a few. It's happened a few times in my life and it never gets old. But when. When they shut down an interstate for you, you can't help but like, you know, grab your lapel and like shake it a little bit. I mean, you feel like somebody special, you know, when they they shut down an interstate for you. And so we get there and we get off the bus and I am fully not prepared for what I uh, am seeing at all. And, uh, and, and funny enough, I, uh, w- we get out and there's a line of LSU fans and the Texas fans kind of yelling, you know, and, uh, and so I'm just like, wow, I, I don't even feel like I should be a part of this, but I'm laughing, you know, kind of saying that to myself. And so we go in and people are wanting to dab and, you know, give high fives and all that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So I'm overwhelmed. I know. Right. So I'm overwhelmed by this. And I get inside and I go up to the press box for a moment just to cool off before going back down to the field. And I see a tweet that says, Oh, found a Rachel Barbeau in her natural habitat, you know? And so it's me walking in, you know, with, with all the LSU people. And I'm like, what? So it was, uh, it was nuts for me. It was a beautiful scene. It was a different scene, but Texas knows how to, Party, they do. Josh. You know, this, that's a great story for me because you are part of the program. What you do at LSU and what you do yep. for your other universities, you're part of what they're trying to get accomplished, what they're trying to do with their kids. And so for you to experience, that's awesome. I, when the escorts show up, you're right. When the police escorts show up, it, you know, you start getting those big <laughs> game jitters. And I bet you you felt some of that as you were cruising in yeah. to town going, you know, and you're yep. looking around you and you're seeing some of the staff and you're seeing maybe some of the guys and you're going, you know, the town's electric and and the, and you know, the, yep. the, the hype of a Saturday in college football. That's what it's all about. The pageantry of the game. And, and it's so that is so awesome to be able to to say that you've done that and be a part of that deal. And I'm glad you did it at LSU because those are my boys. But, uh, you know, just that that whole town was electric. Austin was amazing. Uh, of course, I think Texas are, are some of the classiest fans in college football. I really think they are. They took that loss with class. And, and there was millions of people that were out in Austin on 6th Street. And I didn't see – you know, anything stupid happening, everybody enjoyed it. I think Texas probably went home a little early. LSU stayed out a little later. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, Texas knows, you know what, next year I bet Ellinger comes back because he's a college football player. And I bet you he comes back and they come to Baton Rouge next year. 
you know, on a mission. So this is going to get interesting next year as well. All right. So two things and partly why I love college football is all the extracurricular stuff. And by that, I mean, uh, Texas puts LSU's band up in the nosebleeds. And I'm not talking about just nosebleeds, Josh Booty. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about up near God, Mm -hmm. like right next to the sun. (laughs) So I can can only imagine how LSU is going to return the favor uh, in the future. But then also an article comes out and you and I are prepping for this Mm -hmm. show. And we talked back and forth yesterday about this article. And it says that uh, that Ed Ogeron says that there wasn't proper. They were tipped off that there wasn't proper AC Mm -hmm. in the locker room. So they brought their own fans. Well, Chris Del Conte comes out. And says, oh, you know, uh, we're not aware of that. We think everything's working fine. So somebody's not telling the truth here, but it just makes this game in the future that much saltier. It does. You know, just being in the stadium and I was there, of course, and it was hot, you know, in the tunnels. It was hot when you're going down to the restroom or get a drink. Uh, It was so hot and muggy in there. It felt like Louisiana. I can remember walking around and saying, you know, I feel like I'm in New Orleans and it was just so hot that day. And it was one of those extraordinary hot days. So I bet you down there in the inside of the locker room where they were at, I bet you they're just that the air conditioner wasn't probably wasn't operating to the, to the degree that they really needed it to operate in there like they're used to. And so, you know, I'm sure it was working. It probably just wasn't working that good. And it was just hot. And I'm telling you, when you put a hundred and something big dudes in one place, you know, sweating and coming off the field, you know, 101, it's going to be real hot. So I bet you, you know, and Louisiana Tech tipped Orgeron off, like you said, last week. And yep. I think they brought some extra, uh, some extra, you know, material to try to help get some of that stuff taken care of. And then I'm sure they brought some units and different stuff, uh, you know, on the vans and, and buses from from Baton Rouge. But they, they were – you know, they, they came in, they, they went in at halftime. They did the same thing they needed to do coming out. So, I mean, they're used to the heat, you know, Baton Rouge boys and practicing in the summer in Baton Rouge. It doesn't get any hotter. So I promise you those kids are, they can handle that stuff. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to talk about one of our sponsors, my bookie. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back to booty and Barbo. Don't go anywhere. It's a new football season. Antonio Brown is a Patriot. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games, mybookie.com is the place to bet on football every weekend because mybookie.com has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book out there, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL ball games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. Now go to my bookie and sign up the super contest or for the season. They will double your first deposit up to 1000 first deposit bonus. If you use promo code LSUF to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LSUF. And when creating your account to claim the bonus, bet, win, and get paid. Welcome back to Booty and Barbo Believe Podcast, the number one podcasting site for 
professionals. I'm telling you what, you go on there, you can find something for everyone. No matter what it is you're interested in, you can find it at Believe Podcast. All right. So, Josh Booty, uh, before we move on, because this week had some oddities uh, when it comes to college football, to say the least, and pro mm-hmm. football, because uh, we mm-hmm. can talk about anything we want on this show because it's our show. We could talk about pate if we wanted to, because it's our show. All right. We can do that. Uh, But uh, before we move on, tell me, take off your LSU glasses. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the cramping and how much uh, of these injuries, cramping injuries in a game like LSU, do you think is legit? Uh, with the heat, with those things, because if you're if you're not a Texas fan, you're not an LSU fan, you're wondering what what really was going on out there, and no better person yeah. to talk about it than somebody who actually played. Yeah, you know, I've seen it firsthand for a long, long time. Of course, growing up in Louisiana, playing in the South, playing in the humidity, playing, you know, it, it always happens to the, the the fast guys with zero body fat. <laughs> it, first of all, it's it happens to DBs you know, linebackers and wide receivers and running backs. And that's just the nature of cramping. And there's so much running that they're doing in the course of a game. If they're not hydrated properly, and this all goes back to pregame meals and the week, uh, you know, preparing for the ballgame. That's why it's so important. We used to, at LSU, we used to have, it looked like the morgue over to the side of practice. We'd have 40 guys doing IVs in the summer at one time. They'd go off the practice field, get IVs, and come back. We'd be in full pads. This is used to be, du- you know, when you had double days, two a days back in the day. And, man, it, it looked weird. It looked like we had a, a hospital out there on, on the sideline. And it was, you know, that's just how it was because we practiced so hard in the heat and it was so hot. And that these guys, they run, you know, they run and run and run. And if they don't have the right fluids in their system or they run, you know, for an hour out there in practice in that heat, you sweat so much. So I'm, I, I think most of these injuries are super legit. Most of these dehydration in, uh, injuries during the middle of a game in the summer and the heat September in Austin, like I said, it was 101. But you're seeing this all across the land. If you go watch a West Coast game, you don't see it. If you go watch a a game in December, you're not going to see it. You only see it in the in the hot states in these southeastern conference games and these these uh, Big Twelve games that, that, that some of these ACC games where these games are played in Florida and along the the coast in the South. It's it's just so hot. So I'm just I just know I've seen it so much. My brother Abram, who's a receiver at LSU, who's an awesome player, a couple seasons there back in '97, '98, '99. He had to go to the hospital one day and he almost died of dehydration. And, and, mm. and so, you know, he had to stay in the hospital for a couple of days and this stuff happens. So it's, you know, there's all kind of different things that you can do for it. Now there's some great products out there that, that, that can help, you know, back in the day we thought it was salt or pickle juice, you know, when you play softball all, all day on a Saturday or Sunday in tournament and, and, you know, adults would be out there, they drink pickle juice and, and it carried over onto the sideline. I think, you know, Gatorade, that's why it was, you know, it was born out of this stuff in Florida because it was so hot down in Gainesville, you know. So, you know, this is stuff that's going to always happen. It's hard to get it, – it's hard to say to stop it because there's just so much heat and so much running and so much exhaustion and dehydration occurred. It, it's going to happen to the significant players in significant situations, 
And that's when it's like, oh, how could we have benefited? I mean, how could we have not had that happen, you know, and and kept ourselves from losing our star player in the third quarter when you got to play, you know, four quarters. And, and sometimes it's a huge part of the ball game. It plays a huge role in who wins the game. All right. Outside of this game, uh, there were some oddities, to say the least, in college football in only week two. And and as I I looked at week two, I thought, it's week two. It's week two. It's already week two. Hold on to it because it comes so quickly. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, it's gone. But never did I think that I would hear Jeremy Pruitt refer to his program as the Titanic and rats sinking uh, and running to the top of the ship as the ship sunk. I don't know about you. I like Jeremy Pruitt, uh, but uh, referring to your program as the Titanic probably is not good for your program. (laughs) Well, he didn't know how to handle that situation. That's for sure. I mean, first of all, you got in a bad situation. You lose a game last week, two weeks ago that you should never lose. And uh, this this week they came back and lost another one. And it's, you know, they're 0-2. They're sitting there going, what in the heck? They're scratching their heads. They ain't played an SEC ball game yet, you know, where it really gets tough. And you're like, what are we going to do to overcome this? Because he's feeling now a ton of heat, a ton of heat from the fans and from the media. And, uh, you know, it's just a bad situation for him. And I I feel bad because – what do you do? You know, you start reading your own, you start reading the, the press clippings and now it gets in your head that that happened with Jerry DiNardo at LSU in 99 when I was there my first year. I'm telling you, it was, it got so tough on him. He, he didn't know how to handle it. And every day in practice, he was a different guy. And so one day he'd come out loose as loosey goosey and, and, and try to get us up. You know, he didn't know how to deal with the situation. Then the next day he'd come out tired in the drum, man. You could just tell it was wearing on him. You know, he's a different guy and different personality. And I think you, what Pruitt's got to do is he's got to, he's got to buckle his chin strap and be one strong son of a gun and take the bull by the horns. But you know, you can't continue to lose games that you shouldn't lose. You got to win at least those. And then hope you can play tight and play competitive against some of the big stalwarts in the conference. So it's going to get really, really tough on him this year. Somebody suggested to me last night um, that, and this isn't too far fetched to me, Josh. But they said um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy to them if Jeremy Pruitt was relieved of his duties this year and Phil Fulmer just had to take over an interim coach. Yeah, well, I could see that happening. I'm sure the I'm sure the the fan the faithful fans of Tennessee would love to have Fulmer show back up in that role. And you know he's he's not. He's not to the age where he couldn't handle a sideline duty. I mean, look at Mac Brown. Yeah, look at Mac Brown. I mean, he can handle sideline duties. And if you can physically handle sideline duties, think about Paterno and think about some of these guys that we've seen coaching yep. in the 80s. You know what I mean? It's like if you can handle sideline duties, you could be the head man. And there's a ton of respect that comes with that you know, with him and, and, and him sit, you know, standing on the sideline. And it's like, you know, you generate some positive energy just from him showing back up and being a part of the program and people listen to him and they know he's won and, you know, he'll hold the players accountable and, and they'll maybe step up their game. I mean, if, if they go into a real, real slide here, that could potentially happen. And, and Fulmer wouldn't be a bad, 
uh, a bad option during the middle of the season because he can he can kind of piece the thing together if need be. All right. So I see a tweet from Ross Dellinger and he says, um, imagine that you went two years ago, you fell into a coma and you woke up today. Hugh Freeze is coaching at Liberty from a hospital bed first week. Tommy Tuberville is running for Congress. LSU is running the spread. Jalen Hurts is at Oklahoma. Kelly Bryan is at Missouri. And Les Miles is at Kansas. And Mac Brown is at UNC. What a wacky. Oh, let me add to that. Let me add to that. And Bobby Petrino shows back up in Arkansas to apologize for what he did to Arkansas fans and gets a standing ovation at an Arkansas touchdown club. And let me tell you, I see it. Uh, I can see the writing on the wall, Josh. He is he is pining. He is getting back in the good graces. That man wants to come back to Arkansas. I'm telling you, it's not crazy. I believe it. He wants back in coaching. <laughs> well, he's a football coach, and he's really good, I think, of course, he's made some mistakes along the way, but he's done a lot of good things as well, especially offensively. He's one yeah. of the best offensive coaches I've been around. I'm telling you, he was on that same trajectory with a Sean Payton, you know, a decade ago, and Sean's just played his cards right, and Petrino's had some tough luck and made some bad decisions, but the guy is an offensive-minded genius. And there's about 10 or 12 of them out there, you know, that we really know. Or And Hugh Freeze, you mentioned, I mean, he's one of them. I mean, you got guys like, I don't I guess when, when I was playing, it was guys like Hal Mummy and, and John Jenkins at, at yep. Houston with Klingler and Ware. And, you know, it was uh, it was Norm Chow at BYU and then USC with Leinert and Bush. And, and uh, you know, there, there's been some offensive-minded guys come through the ranks. Some of them are personality guys. Some of them are not. Some of them have made mistakes and, and couldn't get, you know, jobs like, like a Mummy hasn't had a big job since Kentucky. You know, and it's like, how does that happen? You know what I'm saying? And then you got guys that that uh, figure their their way into into roles like Joe Brady at LSU. And now he's going to be on someone's list because he's taught LSU how to run the spread. And he's come from the, you know, from Sean Payton and, and the Saints. And, you know, so, I mean, there's just so many different different things that happen in football. You got to be right place, right time. And a lot of these coaches deserve jobs and. Of course, I'd love to see Petrino coach again because I think he's just so darn good at, at coaching offense and he could put up points uh, anywhere. He's kind of like a Dana Holgerson. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, last thing before we wrap it up this week. What in the world happened with Lynn Swan and USC? Uh, and what does that mean for Clay Hilton? Is he a sitting duck? Uh, should he? I know, listen, the, the fortunes have changed and lost their starting quarterback. Uh, that's that young starting quarterback that uh, that backup quarterback, I should say, led them to a historic victory. But yeah. regardless of and it obviously does matter what happens on the field. But the guy who gave them the extension, the guy who kept him around is no longer in office. What in the world happened with Lynn Swan? Man, I, you know, this this is what I knew was coming. And, and I don't know the complete story. I just know that they were ready to get rid of him last year. And Lynn Swan, of course, is a, you know, a big name around USC. And that's how he got the job. But I don't think he was doing the job. And so I think, you know, it, it was just a, a situation where you know, SC has started out. It, it, this has been rough because JT Daniels, of course, gets hurt in the second quarter of the first game against Fresno State, their starter. And here comes Kedon Slovis, a high school kid from Arizona, to have to kind of salvage and pick up the pieces. And, and that's for everybody. That's for Clay Helton. We talked about it last week too. And, 
and you know he's on the hot seat as much as much as anybody is in the country uh it has picked up kind of you know two or two and oh now usc they got a real chance at being three and oh this week i mean usc is a program that could you know it could go either way because helton if they start to lose ball games in the conference, which they're going to play some tough conference games here in the in, in the near future, it could go south for him too. I don't know how with a freshman quarterback that Helton, if he loses four or five ball games, is not going to follow Swan. So I think it's just going to be a – I think it's going to be one of those one-two punches. Swan goes out, Helton goes out this year, and, and SC has the revamp. But I really don't know why Swan, why they did it after week two and they're 2-0. and oh. I, I don't understand that, and I need to – Need to find out a little bit more information about that, but I know that he wasn't doing the job that they wanted him to do. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll get that next information for next week's edition that drops on Wednesday. Here's what you need to know. Uh, by the way, so Swan's out. If Helton goes out, you know exactly who's taking that job. We already know this, uh, and that <laughs> is one Urban Meyer. Yep. We know exactly who's taking that job. Yep. Uh, <laughs> That would be some, that would be something, and I, you know, of course, I, I love SC, close to SC for many years. My brother played SC, but uh, yeah, he would bring the magic back, and it would happen fast because he recruits well. He pays attention to every detail. He's like a Nick Saban. He's like a Pete Carroll. The energy's high. He does not lose ball games, and I would love to see a guy like that, and especially Urban Meyer, in that seat as the head coach of, of the USC Trojans. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'd like to see it happen. All right, let's uh, let's bid our ado, Josh. Let everybody know you want to leave us a comment. Please, please, please hit share on this. Uh, if you love football, college football, particularly LSU, and give us a rating as well uh, on these uh, these different podcasts. We so appreciate that. Josh, have a wonderful weekend watching college ball, pro ball, and we'll be back next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.